Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing, which, as you can imagine, is pretty much all centered around the WSL Finals. As such, Stace is going to come on first, and we're going to talk about everything you need to know as far as forecast, picks, predictions, etc. We're going to have a little cameo from Connor O'Leary, who shares his thoughts on the big event, and then Buck is going to come in for some final thoughts, and we're going to reveal something that Stace didn't quite want you to know about just yet. So, let's drop in. Mikey C, I am in your neck of the woods somewhat. I'm feeling closer to you. Yeah, I can feel the proximity. I'm feeling kind of bad that I'm not there with you, but um, Stacey, tell us about your Trans-Pacific journey. How are you feeling? It was actually really good. I, I always, I have actually haven't been to America since 2018, which is, um, wow. you know, up until that point, we're coming two, three times a year, whatever, like it felt like a second home. And then so to, the days leading up to it, I was actually really nervous and it sort of, I don't know, like customs in the american airports you know they're all lovely people just doing their job but they're awfully intimidating um and smooth sailing i just straight on through down into costa mesa and yeah here, here we are i can the world title buzz is um alive and well okay so they like you more than noah dean we know that that's good and you are in where right now you're in quicksilver hq i've been noah dean's twice before <laughs> but i didn't get full deportation but 100 percent thought that that was going to get noah dean so yeah i just don't think they like young aussies now that i'm a bit older they're just like yeah whatever mate you're you're definitely not staying um but yeah no at quicksilver hq just met uh, bob mcknight before actually if i if i do say so so um yeah it's wow. all happening straight into moving it moving up Wait, okay, so tell me this. Is Quicksilver HQ, has it moved? Because after the whole sale went through, like, what's the deal? What's the vibe over there right now? Yeah, it's actually, it's a great question and probably one I can't really answer in full, but it, it is such a big operation that there's, yeah, it is still in the building that it was in. I think, you know, there was a photo on the website the other week of the gates closed. Um, I drove through those gates just before, um, so they're not closed. <laughs> and there's plenty of people still here. And, you know, particularly with Billabong and Ruka, they're a bit more set up. Quicksilver's a little up in the air as to where a few departments are going to land. But tell you what, man, there's some pretty resilient people here. And a couple of people that want to see a few things through, regardless of where their job titles sit, which is, um, I don't know, like, it's... There's so much noise and so many rumors and opinions and stuff. But at the end of the day, like there are still a lot of really, really good people within this business and just that genuinely love surfing. And so to be honest, I didn't really know what I was going to walk into, but what I walked into in the first hour was actually really surprising and up, upbeat. So yeah, more to come way outside my pay bracket. But yeah, from what I've seen so far, yeah, like, for instance, Bob McKnight sitting at his desk. Like, I did not expect that. All right, well, Stacey, I don't know how to break it to you, but ECSC actually ended, like, two weeks ago, so I'm not sure what exactly you came over here for. Um, do you want to give us a little rundown on <laughs> what made you uh, make the journey? I came over to congratulate Levi Slauson. Yeah, fucking Levi had a great week. Great kid, great surfer, huge fan of his, actually, and, um, yeah, to see him take the win out over there was amazing, and, um, yeah, basically just came to um, catch up with him and wish him well done. Um, no, look, there's a lot going on. I think, yeah, I've only been at Quicksilver for like 14 months, but in that 14 months, a lot of things have happened, including the sale just recently. But, you know, prior to that, one of the big moments for, for the brand was signing Griffin Colapinto. So, um, yeah, over here to support him and, and, um, feel pretty kind of for him. Like I got to grow up watching like Mick, Dean and Joel surf, a CT at home at Snapper, which you could see how much that meant to them. 
I couldn't imagine what it would be like for, you know, Griffin and then probably the only other person I can think of in recent memory would be John John and Carissa at, at Pipeline. To have a world title go down in your backyard, that's a whole other playing field. So, yeah, that, that, that's why I'm over here and I'm excited to, to watch it go down. And is this Griffin's first time competing in a CT at lower? I feel like that's a trivia question that I should know the answer to and the answer that I'd be thinking would have to be yes. Uh, he, I don't think he's competed in a CT here. I don't think he's had a wild card before. And before that, it was on tour in 2017. And I don't think baby Griff was on then. Ethan was, but Griffin wasn't to my knowledge. Yeah, so pretty wild that your first event at your home break since you were a kid, basically, is to win a world title. And Quicksilver's got to be feeling pretty good about that investment on Griffin because I remember it was a big deal when he got signed for the obvious reasons, but also just in the way it was presented as like, Quicksilver pretty much coming out and saying like this is our marquee surfer which I would imagine would have stung a few people uh, mainly though Kanoe Igarashi who had beaten Griffin in the past few seasons and probably just had a better competitive record than him throughout his career like Kanoe was obviously in the final five last year and then they brought Griffin in and for him to come through and kind of bring that dream to fruition and be at this position that he's in right now it's it's looking pretty good for quick for sure and full credit to Kanoe as well like and Kolohe in the same sentence I know it's not a Quicksilver related answer but like all these young blokes over here that grow up in California being the great white hope for Californian surfing. If how they even paddle out and surf heats is, is remarkable. Like if, if I plan a day to go surfing and film a joyride, I'm like nervous as all hell that I'm not going to get any clips and I've got a full day to get like three clips. <laughs> and these guys have got the whole state of California on their back and they've got to, you know, pull it off and, and, to some degree, they all have in one way or another. And, and this year, it's been Griffin. So, yeah, for sure, we're all super pumped in here and, and, and right behind him. All right. And another good thing for Griffin is that the WSL released their criteria for the WSL finals earlier this week. Or I shouldn't say released. It got leaked. And we happened to find it and post it on the website, as we do. Um, so the criteria, this is what they say. These are the maneuvers and factors that judges will be analyzing. Very official. Very sterile. Uh, So the first thing is innovative errors that are of the highest level of difficulty and technicality will be the highest reward maneuvers, especially when performed on critical sections or within a combination of turns. Next bullet, big errors and progressive maneuvers when performed on the first section, critical sections, and within a combination will be highly rewarded. It goes on to list a bunch of other things, but basically the point is that it's very air heavy. Like the WSL seems to really be leaning into this this year. Uh, We don't have a judging criteria from past WSL finals to compare this to, but you'd have to think that this is in response to some of the things that we've seen go down throughout the year, right? Like there's been a really big push and a really big discussion about what constitutes excellent surfing and whether it's drawing beautiful lines like Ethan Ewing, whether it's doing giant airs like Italo, or whether it's somewhere in the middle, like say a Felipe or a Griffin or a Jack. And the WSL is kind of planted their flag in the sand here would have to disagree with you on that one so every event what you've just read out there are the judging notes they're not the judging criteria so the judging criteria is in the rule book it doesn't change what changes are the notes in which the judges pay attention to so you listed a couple there you did mention that ethan's still a chance to get high scores and the reason is is because point number four lists that combination of major maneuvers performed at high speed and great risk will still be rewarded. Those points that are listed out 
they're not they're not numbered one, two, three, four, five. They're individual points with reference to a certain style of surfing. So the general public isn't used to seeing those, but a list exactly the same as that would get sent for Tahiti, J Bay, Bells. And to be fair, they're they're pretty vague at every event. Like yeah, the first three bullet points all have the word air in them, but then the fourth bullet point says combination of major maneuvers, which you'd have to think plays into like Ethan's hands or Jao Chianka's hands. Whereas the first three bullet points you could say play more into say a Griffin Philippe or to a lesser degree Robbo. Like it's not a new criteria. It's just judging notes. And if you look at how many notes are there, they're basically just saying we'll reward lots of different styles of surfing as long as it's excellent. So as far as I can see, it's pretty ambiguous. It's still... You are so wrong. There there are six notes here and four of them are directly related to airs. And yeah, sure, you can say that they're not rated one through six, but but people write things in order of importance. That's just how the human brain works. The judges are coming out and stating very clearly what they want to see in this event. For sure, they want to see airs. However... There are, as a judge, you need to be transparent with what you're wanting to see. But at the same time, if you don't create a safety net for yourself, you're going to be out of a job the very next event. So there are bullet points in there that, yes, four of them or three of them have the word air in them. Ethan Ewing is not going to go out at Trestles and do an air. Is he capable of still scoring nine points? Yes, he is. And that's because of bullet point number four or five. I can't remember exactly which one it is. So you are right. Any normal human would write that in the order of importance. Judges are not normal humans. We all know that. It's just a lot of words on a lot of bit of paper so that judges and surfers and coaches can all feel happy at night that they've communicated to one another. It's just babble. The best surfing is going to win. What that surfing looks like, I do have no idea what that is just yet. All right. Well, we talked to Kelly Slater about this, and he basically he wanted what you're saying is the reality, but not what the WSL put on paper as reality. So Kelly, when he saw this, I'm calling it a criteria. You don't have to, if you don't want to, he said, I honestly think these criteria should get thrown out on game day and we can all just surf as good as we can with the ideas in our minds and the waves we are offered. Airs are not the number one maneuver. Always a big carve can be just as good or better given the section or a barrel. Obviously pushing airs doesn't necessarily push innovation. If that's the intention, great surfing speaks for itself. And I think at the end of the day, that is always going to hold true. Um, The judges, whether we want to believe it or not, they are human. And actually, we're going to be doing a deeper dive, hopefully, into the judges soon after the uh, season is over, because I want to get to know them a little bit better. Uh, But when we see a wave surfed perfectly from start to finish, whether it involves an air or a tube or three turns or whatever it is, like you're going to get a huge score. But I just, I don't know, I found it really interesting that WSL came out and just had such an air-centric sort of conversation with the surfers. And again, this wasn't supposed to be public. This was supposed to be directed at the surfers and only the surfers. But the fact that we got our hands on it allows us to have these discussions, which I think are important. And it's also worth noting that last year, uh, Italo and Felipe went head-to-head in the finals. And Italo was obviously trying airs on the left. Felipe was sticking to the rights, doing turns. Felipe got the W. And the year before that, Gabby was going left doing airs, Felipe was doing turns on the rights, and the judges went in favor of Gab. Either of those sort of situations could have maybe gone the other way, depending on what the judges were looking for on that day. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it all comes into the equation this year, because, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of guys who can do good airs and a lot of guys who can do good turns, and girls. For sure. Well, the, the men is fairly straightforward in that everyone's a natural footer. The women's is different, and I think 
you spoke about it last week, or maybe it was Buck, I can't remember, but Caroline has got a great point of difference here this year. Um, I think Buck actually said it, that if Caroline finishes the turn that Tatty didn't, she will win the world title, which is just Brendan Buckley at his finest. Um, with the, the the two years that you've compared there, which it's it sort of loosely transcribed in those notes that you've read out and the criteria, it always comes down to the biggest section. Like, that's all it comes down to. If you're doing the biggest turn on the biggest section, which at Trestles is the first or second section, so all the risk is in the start of the wave, doesn't matter if it's a full rotation or like a full-blooded carve, it's going to get the attention of the judges and it'll be an excellent score. But if two surfers go out there and do excellent surfing, you could canvas the whole beach, like what you said last week on the podcast, and you're still going to end up with this like mixed opinion as to who we think should win. So I just think when these things get leaked or they get shown, it's never going to give us a definitive answer into what we're going to see or what's actually going to get scored. We never know that until it actually happens. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think the, the faces in the, in the five this year, both the men and the women are exciting and new and heaps of different storylines that could play out. Like, yeah, bring it on. The other thing too, which we'll get into Forecast looks good, Mikey. Oh, the forecast looks interesting. I will say that. And we will get into that more shortly. But for anybody who somehow is still sitting on the fence, or you can't even really be on... I don't think anybody's indifferent to WSL Finals Day. I think you kind of either love it or you hate it. And I understand the people that hate it. But I also think that it just provides so much value and so much entertainment that I don't really understand. But if you are still thinking like, oh, I'm not going to watch it, it's going to be shit, you know, lowers is a soft wave, blah, 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 go on the website right now and watch the raw session that we posted. We posted it yesterday, I believe, and it's from Labor Day, which was this Monday. Pretty much all of the top 10 were down there. The waves were pumping. And the level of surfing that they're doing is unbelievable and what i really like about this edit is it's not just these like highlights you know like that you're gonna see the highlights on instagram everybody saw the wave with felipe where he does two airs or griffin does the big finner and whatnot that's amazing of course we're always going to want to see those and those are going to get huge scores in the day but to me to see all those waves in between where people were a little bit off you could see that they're trying to find their their the right board they're trying to find the right section they're seeing how hard they can push really seeing all the different little flaws and and everything everybody's surfing it provides such such great context and entertainment value too and it gives you a great picture into who might actually perform well on the day so go give that a watch um and with that stacy should we get into the forecast so you're telling me it's going to be indifferent i'd have to agree the long of the short of it is there's waves there's been waves all week there'll even be waves leading up to the event it won't be firing but it'll still be probably better than what they ran in last year on the best day of the whole waiting period, even some of the worser days this year, there is that hurricane coming up the coast, Mikey. Then behind it, there is actually like a reinforced, genuine south groundswell. Run me through it, because I can see about three or four days in there that looked really, really fun. Okay, so the waiting period opens on the 8th, which is Friday. The 8th is sort of like the dying south swell that we've seen them surfing all week. It's a really good south swell. It's actually, I wish this one would have been in the window. It would have been perfect. But of course, in WSL tradition, the best swell came right before the window. Um, So Friday, they're most likely not going to run. Saturday is when we start to see that hurricane swell fill in. Lowers doesn't typically like hurricane swells um, for a number of reasons. And the main ones are angle 
and swell period. So this one on Saturday, it's going to be 14 seconds, which is actually a pretty solid long period swell. Like you usually want to see it between 14 and 16 seconds for lowers, I would say. But the problem is that the angle, it's already, it's under 180. It's, it's east of south, if that makes sense. And that is a little bit too steep for lowers to really turn on. So I think that there's going to definitely be waves on Saturday, but I don't know if they're going to be sort of the, you know, pristine multi-directional lowers that you want to see for this event. Sunday, the direction gets a bit better as the storm moves out into the Pacific, so the swell gets a little bit more west of south, but at that point the period drops to like say 12 to 13 seconds, and that's a little bit too short period for lowers. The swell is going to be probably the biggest of the entire waiting period on that day just because the storm is really strong and relatively close at that point. But I don't think that's going to be the best day to run. So to me, the best day to run is probably going to be Wednesday or Thursday of next week. But the problem with that is, one, it already looks like the wind models are showing that it could blow south, which is a really bad wind direction for lowers. And also, it's just hard to turn down a bird in the hand. Like the WSL is going to be looking at waves Saturday morning, Sunday morning, and it's going to, you know what I mean? There's going to be plenty of swell, and it's going to be really hard for them to say, yeah, there's waves right now, but we think it might be better with that longer period swell on Wednesday, Thursday. I don't know what they're going to do. If I had to truly bet, I think they might just pull the trigger on Saturday. Um, I think that it, at the end of the day, like they know there's going to be waves all day that on Saturday. And even if it's not perfect, it'll be better than last year. Probably not as good as 2021, but that's kind of what we're looking at right now. I, I made this point last year and I'll make it again. We can't compete with the first week of the NFL. And I think the strategy to the WSL is to get our sport in and amongst that. But I stand here as a foreigner and look at the amount of radio, TV, and extra press time that the lead-up to the first week of the NFL is going, we, I don't think it makes strategical sense to run on a day of a, there's a game of football. So that's Sunday, you're saying? Saturday or Sunday. I think there's a game on Friday and Monday. No, Thursday and Monday, which is bizarre, but yeah. I think, to your point, there's so many things that lead up to them running on Saturday versus not. That's not the best swell of the window, but we'll get a clean look at primetime TV, I think, as well as it being a weekend, as well as it being pretty good waves. Like, not perfect. Wednesday does look a lot better. However, like you said, it's a bit further away. Winds don't look great. Um, I don't know, like... I got off the plane today and I had my board bag and the lady came up to me and asked where I was going camping. Like, it, it's just not the same, you know? Like, And I, I love that. I respect that. I think it's cool. But when we're trying to compete against everything else, which the sport's obviously trying to do and trying to grow, I think we've, we've kind of got to stay in our lane at times as well and realize that we are microscopic compared to those other sports. Yeah. All right. Well, Saturday it is then. Yeah, I do. The weekend thing too is like, I imagine they want to one, get people down there, but they also want people planted on their couch all day long. And that's the Saturday in the US is also a weekend in Australia. You know, it's your Sunday. So it just, that's probably the day that makes the most sense. I know that the WSL, I've heard in the past that they actually might get more views on weekdays because people will have it on in the background while they're working. But I reckon with a one-day event like this, where it's so singular and you know that you're going to get the the payoff at the end of the two world champions crowned, that people will actually dedicate one of their weekend days to just sitting down and watching this. Obviously, the timing's not great for Australia, 
but you still got the EU, you got um, Africa, you got obviously all of Brazil as well tuning in. So yeah, everything's kind of pointing toward that that Saturday. The more we talk about it, for sure. I think I think Australia has to take a hit on this one. There's much bigger nations at play, even though Australia is arguably the most surf hungry nation out of all of them. However, least amount of people. Ooh, Brazil fighting words. Well, I, I think I think the history in Australia speaks for itself. Um, but for sure, Brazil are passionate, and so are Aussies. Like we all love watching it. But yeah, if someone's going to have to take the bullet for a midnight start, it's it's Australia. And uh, yeah, like you said, doing it over like a Saturday night into a Sunday morning, uh, you could go and have a few beers and then go home and chuck the footy on. Uh, excuse me. Well, yeah, you could chuck the footy on and then the surfing sounds pretty good. <laughs> all right, so that's the forecast. Now, before we go into our picks, I want to go through some numbers for our finals day finalists. Let's get into it. Stacey, would you be surprised to learn that Felipe Toledo does not have a winning record against any of the other men's finalists? As in, like, it's either even or, like, 3-2? Yeah. Wow, I would be surprised to learn that. But, like, when you think about it, it, it isn't surprising. But as an initial thought, for sure, that's very surprising. Yeah. Yep. So, wow. Felipe's been on tour, obviously, a lot longer than the other four guys who are in the finals. So, his records against them are 3-3 three and three against Griffin. Two and three against Ethan, one and one with Zhao, and one and two with Rabo. So technically, like when you look at those on face value, you think, oh wow, maybe Felipe is not in such a strong position that we'd considered him to be. But then you also think about all the factors that go into that. Like, you know, at least one of those heats with Jack was at the box, right? So that's almost it's kind of just like not equal, you know? And and so when it comes to lowers. Oh, uh, you could say that, though, but one of the heats was at, like, two-foot G-land, which that cancels uh, out. But who lots. won that heat, though? Yeah, exactly. Philippe should have got him back. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, Philippe arguably won that heat at G-land. Like, there's so many, like, stats are so, like, they're as factual as you can get and also the biggest, like, lie in the world. Oh, you mean you mean, you mean you thought he won it because of the judges? No, I'm, yeah, no, you can't say that. Jack won the heat. Like, I didn't think Jack won that heat either, but if you're looking at actual stats, which you are, Jack won, does it? It's not up for debate. So, it's like, that cancels out. So, yeah. And are you about to tell me that Trestles, Trestles is a beach break or something in these other weird stat breakdowns that you do? What is it? Trestles is a reef break or a point or a beach break? I'm confused. Uh, I'd probably call lowers a point. But going on to the women's side, Carissa Moore, who's obviously coming in as the number one seed, she has a pretty dominant head-to-head record against Tyler. She's 15-9 and nine against her throughout her career. And she's 6-3 and three against Caroline. However, she does have a losing record against Molly, against whom she's 0-2, and Katie, she's 0-1 with. Uh, obviously, that's not a big enough of a, like, there's not a big enough uh, number of heats to pull against there to, like, really show the difference between Carissa and Molly and Katie. But it's still interesting to know that she's basically 0% against the, the young girls. Yeah, that's... Really, really interesting stuff when you play it out like that. And definitely, you know, like a sign of that new guard coming in. You know, 0-1 against Katie isn't like a lot of data to pull from. But 0-2 against Molly. Molly's been on tour for a couple of years now. Like that's, you know, that's not just one fluky heat win where you're locked into a barrel or something like that. You know, it's that's obviously she's got some um, got some strengths that she can use against Carissa. So... That's that's interesting to know. If the younger girls can get through their first couple of rounds, Carissa might be getting nightmares of last year again. 
Yeah, well, to that point, Katie Simmers has a winning record against the entire field in the top five, except for Caroline Marks. So if we want to see a rampage from Katie, she's obviously got to get through Molly, then Caroline, then Tyler, and then Carissa. Um, A lot of work to do, but can be done. And interestingly about Caroline, uh, we talked about Griffin never having surfed a CT event at Lowers before. Caroline actually did, but she was 13 years old at the time. I don't know if you remember that year where the wind went offshore in the afternoon and it was all pretty. Caroline surfed that year, but she ended up losing to Tyler Wright. So that's kind of, uh, yeah, finals day by the numbers. Love it, Mikey. Love it when you get into the numbers. Tell me Trestles is a reef break slab. (laughs) All right. Time for the overdogs. Who are you liking, Mikey? It's, uh, look, it's pretty clear who who the favorites are i think on both the men's and women's um pretty hard to steer away from them if you were to pick with your head yeah and i also i mean it's like you said it's obvious but i also picked these people in the beginning of the year so i just have to stand by them i put money on both felipe and carissa to win the world title before the season even started so i'm just gonna ride them all the way through uh how much money do i have on them let's see i've got uh 250 on carissa and I've also got $250 on Felipe. So um, hopefully that pays out pretty big should everything go to plan. However, I did chuck a cheeky $100 on Katie Simmers just because I couldn't stand to see her win and not feel that excitement with her. <laughs> I reckon you might feel more excited at 100 at the odds she had. <laughs> well, no, but I picked her at the end of Chopes, like after she'd already qualified. But the odds are still really good. So oh, okay. we talk about our value pick. Katie's paying plus 750, which means you put a dollar down, you get 750 back if she wins. That's, I mean, I know it's a steep hill she's got to climb, but those are odds that I'm pretty happy to take on. For sure. And I think like if we did really, you know, I, I can't deny the, the, the ratings at the moment, I think are pretty close on the men's and women's as to how we probably all feel and how the betting markets look to who's actually going to take this thing out. Like Philippe on the men's side is obviously going to be very hard to beat out there. Griffin in second is probably the most likely to get him. And then Ethan in third, in my opinion, the cool thing about this format is that anyone can have their day. Like it's really, truly up to who turns up on the day and who manages all the external things that are going on and, um, you know, all that noise and, and can they put it into a couple of hours of surfing? Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, to see, like by no means does Philippe have, like even the numbers suggest he doesn't have an overwhelming advantage against these guys. Um, but you know, he finished the world at number one and I believe that's where he should be after the year and the waves that we've had. So yeah, he's going to he's going to be hard to beat for sure. And then on the on the women's side, like Carissa's variety is, you know, is, is hard to beat. She doesn't have the pop in her airs like a Katie, but I don't know, I think Katie's got a lot of work to do to actually get there. So, yeah, I think where the ratings are at the moment, that that would be my overdogs pretty pretty easily. Yeah, Phil and Carissa. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I think if the waves are the bigger the waves are, the better chance Carissa has certainly, just because she has that power advantage over the rest of the field. Like, you put Carissa and Katie side by side, and it looks like you're looking at, like, U16 versus, you know, like, the, the, the big leagues. And um, But that being said, Katie's so technically advanced in her surfing that she can do big turns even without the weight because she just the way that she uses her body and leverages her weight and her board, it makes turns look big. 
But yeah, it's, it's going to be hard for her if the waves are like solid pulsing hurricane swell, you know, compared to someone like Carissa. The, the one thing I think would be in her favor coming into the afternoon could be that onshore flow. Like if it starts to get a bit ruffled in the afternoon, she's so dynamic through the lip, not just with airs, but with her finners. And th- that could be one thing I think would play into her favor. It might just take that flow factor out and the power away from Carissa. If Katie can get in the lip and uh, versus Carissa, say, doing the traditional out on the face carving, which is, don't get me wrong, it's world class but it might just be a point of difference to the judges and they might like it is what I'm suggesting. All right, cool. Let's get into some underdogs. Underdogs is a lot trickier for sure. On on the men's side, like I said, I, I genuinely feel that, you know, Griffin and Ethan have got enough firepower there to, to knock Philippe off his perch for sure. Um, Ethan, with his experience, is definitely going to be one to keep an eye on. He's got last year under his belt, and he's certainly got a point to prove after last year. Didn't quite fire um, the way that he would have wanted to. But what are you thinking after watching him surf out there, obviously after the back injury? Like, you saw some clips of him. Do you think he's up to it? Yeah, yeah, I reckon he's just warming up. I reckon he'll be fine. He's got 90 minutes of surfing that he needs to do to know whether he'll be in for a chance or a title or not. And if that 90 minutes was to turn into two hours, I reckon the adrenaline would kick in and he'd make it happen. So as far as that's concerned, I'm not too worried about the injury. It's a pretty short day uh, at the office. Uh, but I, I can't I can't go past the hometown hero, Griff. Um, I think that, you know, watching all the kids and everyone getting around him and the whole town, like that to me, that, that fairy tale story would be would be so cool and... Yeah, it'd be an awesome one. I mean, I spoke about it earlier that the the hype that these young kids have to get up to, Griffin, Ethan, not so much Ethan. He kind of came on a little bit later into everyone's eyes. But for us at home in Australia, we could all see that he was going to be a world beater at some stage. And then Robbo. The fact that they're all there is a massive achievement in itself, and they're all in with a red-hot chance to, to lift the trophy. So to be honest, if any one of those guys was the winner at the end of the day, I'd... I'd I'd be pretty stoked for either one of them. Like they all they all deserve it at some point in their career, and if it's this next week, then then so be it. But yeah, for me, it'll be Griff. All right. Well, I lost faith in Jack um, going into Tahiti. I just I thought with all the factors against him, it wasn't going to happen, and it did. So I'm back on the Jack train. He's going to be my underdog for the men. Um, he just has this energy about him where he just seems so like doesn't care about the outcome and because he doesn't care about the outcome like good things just sort of happen to him i know it's gonna be a lot of work for him to get to the top of the pack starting at number five and going into that first heat even you know uh, maybe won't even matter against joelle not having priority because joelle just take off on the first wave that comes through anyway but yeah i would i think it would just be such an incredible story to see jack start the year so strong get injured have that really bad string of events come back so strong at the end and then somehow get to that title you know i think it would be very fairy tale the odds of it happening may be low but uh i'm rooting for him he's my underdog i like it it's a good pick mikey now what about your female underdog stays um oh heart or head that's that's a that's a that's a hard one i think my heart says katie simmers just because i'm such a fan of her surfing but my head would probably have to go with caroline marks just for the fact of her variety. And I hope she I hope she really leans into it. Like, if the swell delivers, like we hope it will. Um, like you said, that angle's a bit funny, so the lefts might not be as good. But I always am really keen on a surfer that can show that variety. And I think it's actually an underused part of the criteria if you want to get into, like, judging notes and criteria. Um, 
you know, when you think about variety in the way that it's written at the moment, it's it's just noted at variety on one single ride. I'm a I'm a believer that it should be variety over two rides, uh, particularly in situations like this, beach breaks, split peaks. Um, if you can see a surfer that can execute excellent surfing both ways, uh, that that should be rewarded as an overall performance. And um, I think you know that won't be rewarded this year, but I think Caroline could show that, and I think that's um, you know something to definitely keep an eye on. So go the Florida lady, go Marxy. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. But I'm sticking with Katie. I said it. I put 100 bucks on her to win. Um, I want to see her ride that thing to the finish. It'd be awesome. Imagine getting on tour your first year qualifying for the final five winning the world title and then retiring before you even finish high school that would be the best surf career of all time so that's (laughs) go katie make it happen that would be amazing steph was the only other surfer to win a title in her first year so katie could join that hall of fame which is a pretty impressive one all right should we do some gamble ramble let's get into some gamble ramble mikey all right you've given me your favorites uh, we quite clearly know who they are. I want you to give me a bit of value. Who are you seeing in that lineup that uh, Bet Online AG are giving you a, a bit of a look at? All right, so I was looking at the odds earlier today, and I'll just give you a little rundown. So Felipe Toledo is at minus 165. He's the clear favorite. You're not. It's honestly probably not even worth betting on him at this point, um, just with all the things that can happen. Like, if you got in earlier in the year, good on you. But to get on him at minus 165 is a bit risky. Griffin at plus 250, I honestly think there's a lot of value there. I'd say there's probably a 70% chance that he finds himself in that final surf off against Felipe. And within those two guys, you know, maybe like a 45% chance he wins. So like if I'm starting from scratch and I didn't already have all my eggs in one Toledo basket, I would be putting some money on Griffin for sure on the men's side. And then also throwing just a little bit on Jack Robbo. He's at plus 1100. So you don't have to put a lot of money down to make a lot of money back on that one. Then on the women's side, again, Carissa's at minus 130, probably too late for that one. Tyler's at plus 400, though. She has had an incredibly consistent season, and she's actually somebody that, interestingly, nobody's really talking about as like a major title threat, nobody that I've heard, at least. Um, A lot of people are talking about Carissa and Caroline, but Tyler, for whatever reason, has been left out of that conversation. I think she's a really good kind of sleeper agent here because we know that when things get tough she just is so headstrong and will just make it happen uh it's certainly not a guarantee but at plus 400 i think that's worth putting your money on and bet online also has odds up right now for round one for both the men and the women they've got katie simmers at minus 145 over molly at 115 plus 115 that is uh as a bit of a hedge against myself i'm just going to throw a little bit of money on molly um i think that katie will probably win this heat but molly playing positive odds right there. I think it's worth throwing a little money on. And then Jack Rabo, minus 200 against Joao Chianca at plus 160. As much as that plus 160 is calling to me after watching the the raw edit of lowers from the other day, Joao's doing some great individual turns, but I really do think that on a long wall like lowers, he is going to get a little bit exposed and the judges are going to you know, really kind of like see those minute differences and being able to connect and link turns together. So I think even at minus 200, Jack Robbo is probably the bet there. Well, mate, we weren't the only ones keeping a close eye on the final five this week. I actually had the chance to uh, catch up with young Connor O'Leary, finished world number 11 last year. And uh, I was pretty stoked to get his thoughts on how he saw the whole thing playing out. So, mate, unless you had any more to add to this conversation, 
I might dial him in. Well, just one more thing. So right now on the site, we have, uh, you know, Paul. You love Paul. We all love Paul. Paul Evans, he put up his predictions for the WSL Finals, a breakdown heat by heat about what is going to happen and who's going to win. Spoiler alert, he sees it going a little bit differently from you and myself. Actually, maybe just me. But uh, yeah, if you want to get Paul's predictions, he's um, Britain's foremost surf uh, prophet, I suppose you could say. So he breaks down exactly what's going to happen on Finals Day. That's on the site right now. But until then, let's get over to Connor. Yeah, it was good. It was, a, it was a good year. A lot of good moments. Nah, you're fucking pissed. <laughs> pissed. I did get ninth last year, so yeah. yeah. I guess I didn't yeah. do as good, but fuck. I mean, Jeez, that's really funny. I feel like I had a better year this year. Than Same. Last year. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. I'll take 11. 100%. Yeah. What about all those fifths in a row? Fuck. I had. I had five this year. Yeah. Which I guess, looking back at it, being in the final day is good, but. I feel like now I've like set myself a new standard of like, all right, just want to be in the picture in finals day and then actually show up. But had a few melters, um, had a couple where I was like, made a few mistakes. But I mean, to be able to be there consistently is somewhere where I want to be. So yeah, it's good. good. You had an amazing heat with John at J Bay. It lit the internet a lot. There was a really fast. I actually don't just remember that then. I wasn't even going to ask Poor you about it. Up, <laughs> actually forgot about it but um no i think the most interesting thing about that would be your reaction when you came in dog's reaction when you guys came in both shire boys both obviously grown born and bred to kind of keep your head on your shoulders and it was very evident on display there that even in the heat of the battle both of you guys weren't gonna televise that you thought you won that heat for sure. But talk to us about every... It's, it's, it's like boxing. No one loses a fight. No. If for sure you thought you were in with the chance. I mean, I thought I was in for a chance, but I guess I'm... Fuck, I've always been pretty hard on myself. And even if you do, you know, say mock heats, for example, I'm always scoring myself lower than what it actually is. And in hindsight, it's probably a burden because being hard on yourself, I guess, puts you down a bit and then doesn't... Or makes you try too hard and, and you know, it, it can be a burden. I think for me, sometimes it is. So, you know, the last turn felt really good, but I feel like overall the wave was a bit clunky. Um, but, fuck, the last turn felt so good that I was like, it might be close, but I don't think it's going to go over that mark that I needed because it was like an 8.4 or 8.5 or something. I was like, at best, it could be like a low, low 8. Yeah. Dog thought the same thing. And I guess... In the scheme of the entire heat, it was just kind of like, I guess they might have looked at John's nine and gone, okay, that was a nine, then what do we compare that nine to this wave? Mm. And um, yeah, lucky enough. There's been so many heats this year where, you know, scores have come under scrutiny. And at the end of the day, you guys are just doing the surfing. You leave yeah. it up to the five guys in the chair. And that's exactly what you did in that heat. You, you left it all in the water. You didn't fall. You ripped yeah. the wave as best you could. Big finishing turn. That's surfing. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if I didn't get the score, I still would have been happy with how I performed. And yeah. I feel like this year, was, it was a huge goal for me to, like, have big totals and mm. be in those heats that are high-scoring and exciting. And yeah. as a goofy footer surfing J-Bay, I was definitely on the back foot with John. But yeah. um, I don't know, I felt like everything was good. Prep, boards, waves are good. So mm. I was like, fuck, all right, I just need to give, every, give it everything I got and yeah. kind of hit everything that's in front of me as hard yeah. as I can. And... Um, yeah, I was stoked to just be in that conversation of a 
a big mm. heat and a highlight yeah. of the day. For sure, one of the heats of the was, event. Because it was so fucking It was like the only day of waves all year yeah. on the tour. At Margaret yeah. River had a couple of fun days, but every other every other spot's been pretty yeah, pretty wonky. Yeah. Shit house at most events. Yeah. So to be able to, you know, surf two really good heats out there mm. in the same day, because mm. I had a heat against Cal earlier that day, that yeah. was really good. Um, yeah, this is the is where I want to be. Yeah. And, um, to be able to match it against John was yeah. sick at Pump and J Bay. So, mm. yeah, it was definitely uh, it was funny because I've never really been in that social media controversial heat before. Yeah, so yeah, it was just yeah. funny reading back all the comments yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just going, oh, I don't know. Just trying my best. I didn't read too much, but can you uh, remember one? one? Sterling Spencer called me a grom. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of baffled. <laughs> I'm like. He's yeah. like, like better luck next time, Grom. Or oh and God. I just wrote back, like, thanks, Grom. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Like, Grom oh, anymore. Wow, like, no. Kelly, Slater, Sterling, Spencer, J Bay. Go, go back and watch it. Great, mm. great heat. You mentioned being a goofy footer at J Bay. is, is got to be an honour just to surf that place with no one out. Fuck yeah. Not many lefts on tour, though, big fella. Can you give me your favourite? Favourite left? If you could put one left on tour, what would it be? Fiji, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if not, probably macaronis. Yeah. Macaronis would be a sick one. Mm. Um, yeah, Fiji, for sure. It's the yeah. sickest wave ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's up. Um, yeah, 100% Fiji. Yeah. Why is it that all the lefts we go to in the world, natural footers seem to win? <laughs> <laughs> William Cardoso won Uluwatu. I feel like it's because no one sees them go. <laughs> left yeah okay yeah like it it was funny last year at g land watching the natural footers go left mm. and go backside and yeah. us goofy footers yeah analyzing their backside and going they didn't need to do as much as what we needed to do oh right. wow i never thought you know, of it like, like that before me yeah and yeah. nat yeah was saying it pretty much the whole time like, yeah like i feel like if we did the same thing we'd probably get like half the score yeah 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 but maybe that's just been us being too analytical and yeah no, we go I, right too much. I think there's a truth to it for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, we so. got to see you surfing as a natural footer the other day on uh, Pulse Surf. <laughs> Shout out, Gainey. Uh, and what a unique look that was. You know, Lennox as a left, you as a natural footer. Unbelievable. That, that was like, like you said, you thought you looked better, and I don't I know if you looked better, but you looked different. It was like, like you said, it was like, like you it. don't get to see it, and then when you do, it is like a, it's a, has a new look and feel to it. Yeah, for sure. I like it, and I wonder what. You know how much more successful or how much less successful I would have been if I was a natural footer? Um, we don't know, we'll never know, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, being a good footer is sick. Yeah. There's not too many yeah. of us, so yeah. 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 Um, Trestles is obviously coming up this week. Um, you know, for better or worse, that's the finals location. The, the one thing I do like about it is it, it's an honest peak. Like, the left has great yeah. scoring opportunity, the right has great scoring opportunity. Um, yeah, what's it like not being there? I actually went last year and watched it. Yep. Um, live I mean, com competing. Like, yeah. you, you, you're, you're probably two or three heat wins away mm. from almost being there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, your, your ratings would suggest that. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's, it was definitely a goal of mine this year. Yeah. But it was more so a goal of mine to start winning events and, yeah. and being in that final day picture. And yeah. um, I guess I got a glimpse of it consistently just being in the quarters. But... Yeah. Um, I feel like the surfing that I'm doing at the moment is somewhere that can get me to that final five. And yeah. yeah, so being there this year, not being there this year kind of 
I mean, I don't know any different, so therefore I'm like, fuck, it doesn't yeah. suck, but it, I would love to be there. Um, but I feel like I've just got to keep trusting in the way I'm surfing. And what I did this year was, I guess, the start of, of more. And um, it kind of gave me a lot of confidence that I'm doing the right things. And, um, you know, as a backsider, it's pretty, you're pretty limited to doing certain manoeuvres on a wave. So... Um, just trying to do them right and pick my moments and I've got a pretty good scores for it this year so it's yeah. good yeah for sure so, what, yeah. what do you make of the, the lowers final five set up you know like what I thought what Steph did last year was incredible like oh, was, I never thought that um, would actually happen I went, we went down there and watched from the first seat to the last yeah. on the rocks with Harry and, yeah. and the whole Steph crew and it was sick yeah. like the girls was so much more exciting than the guys yeah um Maybe just because I'm friends with Steph. And yeah, and that run that was happening every yeah. heat, it was like, oh, okay, was one just, more. Like, she was just on one. She looked yeah. untouchable. Like, yeah, yeah. Even like just the way she was like surfing heat. Yeah. And it was a bit more aggression, a bit more like. Yeah. And um, to be down there with all them, it was so sick to watch. And yeah, I think this year is going to be interesting. Yeah. You know, different crew. Yeah. Um, vastly different crew. Yeah, it is. Oh, the faces in yeah. it are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Griffin Guess, wasn't there last year. Jao Chianka wasn't there yeah. last year. Which, that's, that's a pretty big ch change up when you think that Gabe and John aren't there. For sure. The like, fact that Gabe's not in there is like, yeah. it's massive for yeah. Felice. I How's reckon. that clip he just dropped in the wave pool? He's, uh, he's a psycho. <laughs> he's an absolute psycho. He's, he's yeah. Like, yeah, the fact that he's not in the conversation makes it harder for anyone to beat Philippe. Yeah. But I think that Griffin and Eth for sure, yeah. will be the people that could potentially beat him. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I love Jao and I love Jack, but yeah. I just think if you're up against Philippe, he's so unbelievable at trestles. Yeah. On those rights, he's just like, can do anything. So yeah. for someone like Griff, who can match it with him with doing yeah. everything, yeah. and then for someone like Ethan who can outpower him maybe, yeah. you know, his back looks pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Seeing that clip the other day. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going for, for Griff and Ethan for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Connor. Now, Buck is going to come on shortly. It's not going to be a full news segment, but we are going to cover a couple more things about the WSL and a little thing about Europe. So if you're still listening, thank you very much. Grab a Fringe Bar and enjoy. All right, Mikey, I am here to talk about the event that is on everybody's mind right now. It is the surf event that everybody can't stop talking about. It's what we look forward to all year. I'm talking about the Santa Cruz Pro 3000, which is in my adopted hometown right now, and wow, it has been good. I've been nonstop two days of just webcasting, even though it's about 500 meters away. And it's not even in the real Santa Cruz, which is the fake surf city, or the real surf city. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Not California. Fuck that. Fuck that. That's, that's not... We're not doing it there. We're doing it in Portugal. Um, it's been great. I don't think I've seen anybody surf the bank that they're the contest is at in like a month, especially when it's low tide and out the back. And then you kind of watch it and you like get reminded by good surfing that like, oh shit, yeah, that's like actually kind of a fun wave. But yes, of course, even though I am oozing over the QS, um, it's the WSL finals week. It is the WSL finals week. And we are, I believe at the end of a nice podcast you and Stace just did, and the site has just been on fire with WSL Finals news and coverage. So you guys broke that down. We are not going to go into a news section because it's all been dominated by that. However, I have prepared a statement for this moment. 
As is often the case, I'm going to choose to express myself in a form of poetry invented by the ancient Greeks. Acrostic. This poem is called Finals. Felipe is not about to lose suckers there's no fucking way he loses um i like the idea of him and griffin going at it but it's just not gonna happen i don't know what you and stacia said it's not live yet but it's just i can't build an argument against it well i agree with you you're in contrast with pretty much stace and paul paul put out a piece on the site about predicting every single heat and how it would go uh he's got griffin taking the win Stace, I think, is more on the like corpo sentimental side of Griffin mm. taking the win. I think deep in his heart, he knows Felipe's going to win. But yeah, he's he's leaning Griff as well. Yep, yep. Well, I mean, I think like everybody else, I'm sure you guys talk forecasts, but there's waves. There's a lot of them. There's almost too many of them to make a call because <laughs> it's like that's that's a problem. What a problem to have. Just like, especially after this lead up, like everybody be like, it's going to suck, fucking curse. Now there's just so much swell apparently coming. So um, I don't really envy the person having to make that call. It'd be stressful. But I think now that we're here and it's just we have everything, I actually wrote a piece that was kind of inspired by that. It was uh, my tradition of speed, power, flow rankings. And the argument that I just want to kind of share here is that if you have been complaining about the finals format, um, just people do it pretty much nonstop. They could post a, a, they might post something of the QS on the WQ, the WSL QS Instagram. Some people complain about the finals on that. It's just nonstop complaints. If that is you, um, how do you look at this and you see all these matchups that we're going to get, you see swell and not get excited. Um, I wanted to call those people out because WSL is still free. We have the choice to either watch it or don't. You could just make the choice to not watch it. And so if you complain about it, um, I think your choices are to either stop complaining or just have a fucking insurrection. Do an insurrection at lowers or just shut the fuck up because I'm tired of it. <laughs> so, Okay. And I think I know which one you're leaning toward. Do you have any advice on, like, technique or approach to this insurrection for any would-be insurrectors? I think it's all about quickness. I think it's about there should be an element of surprise, and I think it's about getting into the into the capital and or the judging tower before they really know what's going on. Well, the good thing for San Clemente locals is that they've actually been practicing this for years. It started back in, what, the, the early 2010s, the first Lowers raid, where they dressed up in a bunch of... I, I'm sure there was a Viking in there somewhere. So I, That's why it's the perfect place for it, really. If, you, if you're going to complain about the WSL, have a fucking insurrection. If you care that much, be a Viking and storm the tower. Otherwise, just shut up and watch the fucking good show. Tired of it, Mikey. And Buck's SPF rankings, they uh, they go on to give, you know, just rankings generally throughout the year. They also lean heavily on people who Buck believes would be great to be in an insurrection with. Um, and it's, as always, it's one of the better reads that you're going to get on the site. It's so much fun. Um, who do you think is the most surprising addition to this list, Buck? The most surprising addition to the list. I mean, I try to get Jadson in there. Always, I stand by what I said, I think, on this program before. If he wins another event, uh, they have to let him be CEO. It's just even if they hire somebody else and he gets back on tour for next year and he wins, it rules are rules. Let Jadson be the CEO. <laughs> um, so I like that. And 
I don't know. I guess I was, in terms of surprise guest, I was happy to be able to write about uh, topical CDB oils. That was mm. that was meaningful to me as well. Yeah, that was really good. So go give that a read. Um, it's on the site now. You'll be able to read it before the WSL finals go live, and hopefully it will inspire an insurrection, potentially even tomorrow, depending on when this goes out and when the contest runs. Uh, one more thing while we're on the topic of the WSL finals. Now that Stace is off the air and his, you know, he, he, he's not able to pull the strings anymore, his quicksilver puppeteerism is no longer uh, controlling us, we just caught wind of something that is actually really cool and really exciting about Griffin Colapinto and basically uh, Quicksilver went out and they know that Griffin has this um, kind of friendship with Matthew McConaughey famous Hollywood actor who is getting a little bit closer to surfing because his son is a big surfer now but anyway Quicksilver basically went out and got Matthew McConaughey to record a I guess it's like a hype up sort of um, monologue for Griffin like trying to get him excited to win the WSL finals Quicksilver is going to be airing it on their channel soon but we have a sneak preview that we're going to play for you in the podcast right here hey Griff Want to get your ear before you get all in your head about this world title business. Uh, I want to share a perspective that has helped me make a lot of my dreams come true. It's called Be Less Impressed and More Involved. You see, when we're just impressed, our dreams are nothing but little fairy tale dust clouds that we bend our neck to see and never grab a hold of. But when we're involved, we grab a hold of those clouds. We, we grab that fairy dust. We look them in the eye and we make them a reality. Now you see, this moment that you're in right now, right here, is some classic yin and yang. It's a balance of make it happen and let it come. The reason and the rhyme, the balance of the engineered and the mystical. I know I said my thing about, the, did the poem and all that, but like, if there's any person that can help you win, I think, a single day surf off at Lowers, it is Matthew McConaughey. Um, so I'm a little bit swayed after that. I still think it's going to be Felipe, and I'm going Caroline, of course. Um, but that is, yeah, that has to strike fear in the hearts of everybody else and inspiration deep down inside Griffin. I mean, just to have McConaughey show up. That's a big move. That's a power move right there. I mean, Gab's had, like, Neymar show up. Do you think anybody's going to show up for Phil this year? Hmm. He seems to be the more... Um, go hang out at home with his many children type than the Neymar party. We've seen the photographs of these events. Um, they have a lot of friends. We've seen some of the photographs. We've seen some of the photographs. They tend to invite a lot of people. Um, some there's Certain things are out of balance um, in terms of <laughs> ratios. <laughs> I haven't seen Felipe at one of those. I think he's just a family man, so... I don't know. I hope so. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Finals day is going to run soon and all of our questions will be answered. Uh, Buck, before we go into a surf sin, we talked just briefly last week about how to enjoy Europe. You have a piece up on the site right now about that as well. Do you want to just give a few pieces or maybe one piece of advice for each country, Portugal, Spain, France, if people are doing that stab highway drive that they can do to really enjoy themselves on that trip? Yes. Okay. Well, one, I just want to say it's, you should do the trip. It's just at some point in your life, do that trip. It's one thing to get to, to here in Portugal or to France. Like a lot of people do that, but I don't think many people who visit from overseas, it's probably a lot to do with like not having the time, but if you can at some point find the time to do it, do the whole thing, 
do it in one go. You're going to see a lot of places that not many other international surfers see. You'll see a lot of European surfers on that stretch, but you won't be seeing a lot of people from the U.S. or Australia where you might here in Portugal or in Southwest France. Uh, so yes, do it. And then in terms of advice, I would say France, one piece of advice is to get yelled at. Uh, the French, they don't do a great job at hiding. They don't really intend, I think, to hide their emotions often. So if you don't get a French person mad at you during your time there, you're probably not having enough fun, I would say. So make sure you're not letting them think that you have to behave too much because uh, their language sounds nice and the bread is really fresh. Get yelled at a little bit. Um, Spain, I would say surf a wave that you have no idea if it's going to be a wave. Find somewhere on Google Maps on that whole stretch. There's just so much coastline and so many like interesting beaches with twists and turns and rocks and coves. Maybe Kepa Cerro. Maybe Kepa. And just go find one because it's ridiculous how many... Not in world-class waves, but just, like, gorgeous beaches with just... You're likely to surf completely alone that stretch. Like, do that. It's just a special experience, too, I think. And then Portugal. Let's see. I mean, I think Portugal's the easiest place to get good waves on the stretch, so I'd say focus on that here. Just fucking pack mm. one. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's that. And now it's been a it's been a long podcast. We've covered a lot, but it is time to end it, as we always do, with a surf sin. Father, forgive me for I have surf sinned. There was one time I was out in the break and I totally snaked this guy and he was yelling at me, but I convinced everyone sitting around us that he had actually snaked me and that he was the bad guy. A lot going on here. Uh, if you're just listening and if you missed it on our Instagram, we have a Red Bull hat, which, uh, you know, fan, fan, of the, fan of the beverage, but... Um, not a big fan of the apparel. I, w- I wouldn't consider myself. Well, they've created an interesting culture around that, right? Because the whole thing with Red Bull gear is that you can't get it unless you ride for Red Bull. They don't sell this. So it's like this status symbol, but then it's also like to wear it falsely. A lot of people have called that a sin in and of itself. So um, as but far we also as we don't know tell, that he's not some obscure Red Bull action sports athlete. We don't know that. He's got, he's got a very generic name. He's been hard to find on Google. So we're not ruling that out. Yeah, I've been doing searches. Yeah, it is possible he could be like the world um, speed motocross chess champion or something like that. Um, Likely. Not possible, but likely. (laughs) But he did say when I was going out to the break, and Mm. it's just one of those things that you just, as a surfer, when you hear that, you just know that you you would never say that. It just sounds wrong, even though it's it's not technically wrong. Like, you know, waves can be called breaks, but you'd never go out to the break. That's just not something you do as a surfer. So Mm. you already have a sense of um, if, you know, maybe he's a decent surfer, but he definitely didn't start surfing at an early enough age to really be like imbued in the culture. So there's that aspect of this whole story. I actually thought that the sin itself was kind of funny. What did you? What was your take it on is. that? It is. I think it's a great tragedy. I think that the best defense is a good offense. Um, if you get into an altercation with somebody and you just shout louder than them, you could win regardless of the information that's being exchanged. So, yeah, best defense is a good offense. I like it. I kind of like the move. I kind of respect the move. I'm not sure how much I believe the move, but I still like and respect it, if true. So I, I stand with you there. Okay, so do you have a penance in mind? 
Yeah, well, first I want to say, I mean, we called out the break thing, but I think snake is another word that has kind of worked its way out of surf terminology to an extent, and I think that we need to just make that official. I mean, it's, I'm tired of seeing Jake Patterson's name dragged through the mud. I'm done with it. So let's just retire that. It is kind of funny Wait, how, but like, he got the stu- name because he was a snake, no? Probably. But still. <laughs> it's not as if he had this name and then it got a negative connotation because we decided it was something that was happening in the water, too. Like, surely they're connected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we need to research that, but it it's... It might be non-coincidental there, Mikey. But still, it's been long enough. I just still think I'm done with Snake. I'm done with calling him that. And I think he's allowed to still be called Snake and have it be no negative connotation. So I know that we will look up the origin of the Snake nickname. Uh, speaking of which, we had to look up Brody Carr's stance last episode. It is, in fact, Goofy Foot. So they, the WSL has had a Goofy Foot CEO. That's big news, huge news this week. Yeah, but what were the and- spots on tour during his reign? Probably a lot more or less. I think it was Macaroni's, Skeleton Bay, G-Land, Mundaka. Desert Point, Mundaka. <laughs> um, and then, what was that other one? I think it was that so left in Angola. The fate of Goofy Foots and their ability to really win world titles and just be generally happy as human beings rests in who the WSL hires as its next CEO. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Fully. And if they just hold off long enough and Jazz can win an event, like, we're talking. <laughs> That's true, because that's actually, that's technically in his contract, right? Is if he wins this CT event, he becomes the CEO? If I was his manager, (laughs) fuck, that would be a fun job. Jadson, call me. Anyway, let's deliver a penance here. What do you got, Mikey? I mean, he said he convinced the other people in the lineup that it was the other way around. You said that you're not sure if you believe that. Yeah, it's like, chances are that person too was like a better or more established surfer than him. And you probably wouldn't believe the kooky guy in the Red Bull hat over the local dude. But if that is truly what happened, then I think that in terms of like a fair and equivalent punishment or penance that, have you ever had one of those instances where it's usually on a bigger day? A lot of things are happening. Maybe the wind's really offshore. You can't see that well. It feels like it happens in Hawaii a lot because those things sort of combine big waves, offshore winds, maybe at sunset or something like that. Uh, Hopefully not at pipeline for your sake. But somebody uh, drops in on somebody, but there's so much chaos going on that they're not exactly sure who it was. And this person paddles back out, and they're real angry. And they start yelling, who was it? Who was it? So Mm. uh, have you experienced this before? I've seen this, yes. Yeah, okay. So uh, all he has to do next time that happens, whether or not it was him, preferably if it wasn't him, he needs to step up and say it was him. Stern. Stern but fair. What do you got? I'm actually going back to the snake thing, and I think that he needs to send us a photo of himself holding a snake. Um, Many people keep (laughs) reptiles as pets, um, and so... I was gonna say he needs to he needs to have a pet snake, but as long as he just sends us a photograph of him holding one, um, that's enough for me. Because yeah, I do like the move, and I do want to focus on the snake thing a little bit. I also want to call out a penance from Instagram. Uh, this guy's name was like Aiden Staircase or some shit. Must become a big mountain skier and enjoy endless blissful laps with his friends to learn the value of community. 
in these endeavors. That makes me feel like he still might be some sort of backcountry skier snowbro, which, you know, it's getting to be the season for these people in the Northern Hemisphere, so probably going to be a trend there, and as always, I will write you the fuck off. <laughs> Very well. All right, well, if you have a surf sin, you can send them to michaelatstabbang.com or bucketstabbang.com. Film them vertically on your phone. Keep it 60 seconds or less, and if you are chosen to air on this podcast, you will win, like our friend in the Red Bull hat here, a free year of stab premium so let us know your worst and uh we'll get you covered see you in fucking lake tahoe snow bros <laughs> <laughs>